Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM for the Bud Light Big Game Week. Five live shows from Radio Row here in Vegas. And really happy to welcome in a special guest right now, NFL reporter for Sky Sports, Olivia Harlan-Decker. What's going on? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. We, we met last we night. We did. We're quesadilla bros. Quesadilla bros. We both <laughs> bonded over our love of the quesadillas at, what's the restaurant called? Border? Oh, Border. Or something something oh, like it's that. It's right outside of Radio Row here. Yeah. And I left Radio Row after a long day of work, and I was starving. And I'm <laughs> an American living in London, and I just miss that good American-Mexican food. <laughs> and so I saw and I just posted up, had the best quesadilla of my life, met you last night. Oh, yeah. We immediately talked about that. So, I, yeah. I think I'm going to go get another one before the end of the I week. I might as well. Right? For sure, before <laughs> the end of the week. I thought you were going to say today. No, so no. I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I had a breakfast burrito for breakfast, so I, I, I'm leaning heavy into this theme. That's awesome. Yeah. So Olivia Harlan-Decker will be on the call with Sky Sports, working with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, talk, talk yeah. a little bit about that. That's going to be awesome. Well, it's incredible. Um, super long story short, I, I live in London now I've covered the NFL for 10 years but have found myself in London because of my husband's job and I just joined Sky Sports broadcast this year Um, they have all the NFL rights overseas so it's been really cool because I started just joining their London games Um, so when the Ravens like came to town I did that game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I got to be the sideline reporter at that and then they said, okay, do you want to go to Frankfurt and do the two Frankfurt games? I said, of course. Yeah. So I went there and did that. And then they said, okay, great. Can you come in and start doing some studio coverage of the NFL? Great. Perfect. So every Monday after a busy weekend of Sunday NFL, I would come in and kind of recap the weekend. So I kept kind of growing within Sky. And then they asked me, how do you feel about the Super Bowl? Yeah. I said, I feel pretty good about the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would love to go. Thank you. And um, again, you know, being an American, just an excuse to come back and, uh, and cover the sport that I've always dreamed of covering and continue to feel so lucky to get to cover. It just is kind of a dream come true. And I got to see the Chiefs also. I do work for Westwood One Radio, the national NFL radio broadcast, and I got to do uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins wildcard round for them this year. I got to do the next weekend divisional round, Buccaneers and Lions. Um, and then I went home to London for a little bit, and now I'm back in the States. So I get to, like, finish this story, which is really cool, because now I've seen the Chiefs three times a season, <laughs> as they were one of the Frankfurt teams. Yeah, and I'm rooting for the Chiefs. All right. I want that win. Okay. What, I, what I like is how much the audience internationally has grown. The question is, why have they kind of chosen the Jaguars? Have you noticed that? Like, it feels like they really, in London and England, they really yeah. love the Jags. Well, they have the longest standing contract. So they okay. have this contract with Wembley Stadium. So every year they will play at Wembley. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think, you know, British fans, they are loving the NFL. But, of course, when you can get behind a team or a player, it's easier, you know, human interest-wise, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I like Mahomes. Like, the Chiefs did so well in Frankfurt because you can so easily get behind Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid, the whole thing. You know, they, they are star-led. Yeah. Um, and then for the Jaguars, yeah, if, if you know they're going to be in town every year, yeah, you'll buy the jersey, right? And mm-hmm. if you buy the jersey, are you a fan now? Sure. Then you will you might buy this and buy that, and then all of a sudden you're a Jaguars fan. Right. And then so you're reading why. every article you and listening are. to the radio. Subscribe show. on your apps. <laughs> yeah. 100%. That's how it happens. Yeah. Olivia Harlan Decker hanging out with us here live from Radio Row. Bud Light Big Game Week. First ever father-daughter duo to call the big game. So your dad will be on Westwood One. You'll be on Sky Sports. But you were saying back in, what, 2018 you actually did a game together? We did. We made history in 2018 as the first father-daughter duo to call a national NFL game together. That was on Westwood One. It was a Monday night game. And, you know, we both 
my dad's been in the industry forever. He's yeah. 63. I don't know if he would love me just shouting <laughs> his age out. Um, and he's, you know, a third time national sportscaster of the year winner, most recently announced about a month ago um, for his third time. So, you know, he's, he's reached every peak in the industry. As his daughter, you know, I'm still in the early stages of my career. I've been in the, I've been in the business about 10 years, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, w- all in all. But yeah, it's for me to get not only a Monday Night Football national assignment was huge for me. And then they told me to be with my dad. So I didn't know that part at first. Okay. So, I mean, it was pretty neat. Um, that's something I'll remember forever. Of course, we like tiptoed around how do we send it back and forth to each other because as the play-by-play announcer and the sideline reporter you would have that rapport of like let's go down to the field to olivia decker and you know it's back to you dad thanks dad (laughs) yeah so we we had some fun with it i think we laughed about it the first time we did it and then we just moved on and covered the game as normal um and we've had the opportunity to work together three more times on the same broadcast most recently the wild card game we both just did uh for chiefs Dolphins on Westwood One, so that was that was also one of the coldest NFL games ever played. Mm-hmm. And my dad, being a dad first, kept saying, "If you get too cold, come upstairs in the booth. <laughs> you do not have to be a hero." And I kept saying, "Dad, if I wasn't your daughter, if I was your sideline reporter, you would not be saying that to me." Right. And I said, "No, it's my duty. I'm you know I'm getting paid to do a job. I'm doing the job. I'm not coming upstairs to warm up in your booth." So that was kind of funny. But no, this this time we're not on the same broadcast, but we're covering the same game, and it happens to be the game. So that's that's we're so thrilled. awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so cool. I actually just checked my schedule. I have your dad coming up on Friday. No, what should I ask him that would Whoa. surprise him? Like, can you give me some inside information? Oh, here? that's good. Yeah. Um, oh. This isn't funny. This this is really sadistic. He's deathly allergic to peanuts. Okay. (laughs) Ask ask him if you want. Like, give him. But the the cruel irony of this is the man loves desserts, and there are so many family dinners that are spoiled by us ordering some cheesecake or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that somewhere there are peanuts in it. Um, So ask him at his 60th birthday what he had for dessert. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Say your 60th birthday dinner. Did you have a memorable dessert? And he'll start laughing. Okay. Okay. What what is the answer so I can surprise him? The answer is whatever it was, the restaurant brought out something. And it had peanuts in it, and we, oh, we no. thought, yeah, and we thought we'd have to go to the emergency room, which has <laughs> happened plenty of times. Um, and luckily, some Benadryl did the trick, and all is well. He made it home safely. But I'm a horrible daughter. This is a horrible thing for you to bring up. No, this but is he'll get this is a, good radio. He'll get a laugh <laughs> yeah. out of it. Yeah. Olivia Harlan Deccan will be on the broadcast here. Sky Sports. Let's break down the game for a yeah. second. So much star power with the Chiefs and the Niners. I, I look at this and I say. Give the Chiefs the edge at quarterback. Niners might have the edge at every other position, yeah. even tight end, Travis Kelsey. But George Kittle's almost right behind him. It should be a really good game. Should be a really good game. I think when you look at the last two time, the last time these two teams met in the Super Bowl, that the Niners' offense is so much better than it was that year. Oh yeah, but oh, their yeah. defense isn't. Their mm-hmm. defense was better that year. So advantage Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also advantage Chiefs top five pass defense against a team that is going to want to probably be aggressive. Um, The narrative of Kyle Shanahan and can he stop getting himself in this position where he's blowing leads? Yeah. Um, So I think when you look at who has more to lose, to me, and everyone has a different answer on this, I think the Niners have more to lose because it's so hard to get here. They keep getting to the NFC Championship game, right? And then to get all this way – and to meet a team that probably shouldn't have gotten here in Kansas City. Right. And that 
I mean, they're pretty unstoppable right now. I've got to say, I, I just feel like no one's beating the Chiefs right now. But if, if the big theme to me is the better regular season resume, Niners. Mm-hmm. The better playoff resume, Chiefs. Because yeah. the Niners have not gotten out very clean of either playoff game. Right. And they've only had two. They had the first round bye. Chiefs have had to, you know, fight it out on the road in the cold three times. That's their, a great point. Their one home game, like I said I did, against the Dolphins, it didn't feel like a normal Arrowhead game because of the cold. One, the fans, the seats were not filled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember talking to people around Kansas City, and that's my hometown. Like, I I'm very familiar with Arrowhead. I'm very familiar with Kansas City. And there were people who couldn't even sell their tickets. Yeah. You know, it it was not a hot ticket like it should have been. Um, Not to mention everyone's in big padded gloves. You're not really hearing applause. That's something, you know, the the Patriots always talk about that, end of season games. Um, So the crowd's quiet. So anyways, that one didn't really feel like a home game. Yeah. So their playoffs have been funny, and you just got to give them that much more credit to have won the way they have, and so convincingly, too, making the Ravens look like right. a JV team. Ravens were the best team in the league all year long till they ran into the Chiefs. Niners were lucky to get past the Packers. You brought up a great point with Kyle Shanahan, right? Yeah. Blown leads in the big game yeah. several times. I wonder, because a lot of people have told me the first quarter is the most important. Like, who's going to jump out, out the gate here and get a lead? Will Kyle Shanahan change his play calling in the second half if he's holding on to a lead, you know? Oh, absolutely. And first quarter, who cares? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, first quarter, first half, who cares? 28 to 3? <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, and especially, like, that was the knock. What was the stat? It was Kyle Shanahan, I think, was like 1 in 27 when down by three or more in the fourth quarter. There was oh, some oh. crazy stat, and that was going into playoffs. Mm-hmm. So he had this narrative that he couldn't, you know, if, God forbid, if they lost the lead, they just crumbled yeah so that was kind of I, I think it was one in 27 don't quote me on that but um now they're having this kind of nice narrative where their past two playoff games they've crawled back in they yeah. they've fought their way back in they've beat teams that they should be better than um you know it, no one thought the packers would handle them like they did yeah um and i'm a, I'm a packers fan so i i was watching that one closely and was yelling at my tv so yeah the whole thing is um is interesting narrative wise and a lot of it is kyle shanahan Thanks so much for the time. This was yeah. awesome. The quesadilla bros for quesadilla life. Quesadilla bros. we got to make this a thing. Next year in New Orleans. Oh, right? do you think they have good quesadillas there? Oh, it's going to be the best. <laughs> the food in New Orleans is the oh, best. Oh, the best. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. Yeah. No, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me on. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for... VCU Hoops, Ram Nation, you know you can hear every game right here on 910 The Fan via Rams Unlimited. And it is time for Inside the Ram Horns, presented by the Red Door Guys. My guy Brian from the Red Door Guys is actually arriving here in Vegas. I think we're going to hit the crap stabers later today. Red Door Guys, proud sponsors of my VCU content here on 910 The Fan AWOD Radio. So Friday night, Dayton Flyers at VCU. We previewed the game on the Black Gold Fan Podcast. If you want a full in-depth breakdown of the Flyers and how the Rams will try to defend Deron Holmes, check that out. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Black Gold Fan Podcast. New episode is available now, and Michael Phillips is joining us right now. I mean, this is the biggest game of the season tomorrow, VCU against Dayton. Uh, yeah, give, let, let's rank them, right? Let's rank them right now. Biggest games of the year, uh, all of them in totality. Uh, I'm going to hot take you. That number one was against Mike Rhodes, uh, just because of the, the the importance of that for the program 
of showing that this isn't about one coach, uh, that you, you can move on. And, and I agree with you team. there. I agree with you there. The thing about that game, though, is that the, that the, that game, win or lose, does not affect our postseason appearance. Completely agree. Uh, game number two was Richmond at the Seagull Center. Uh, big crowd. You want to you send them home happy in-state They rival. were undefeated. Uh, that They were undefeated. Gave it more juice. Uh, I'm going to say game three. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning Dayton. Uh, I think I'm leaning Dayton. Uh, and then this, the Robin Center game at four. Um, Bonnie's home was five. Maybe the first game in Orlando at six. Memphis at seven. Something like that. I don't, but, yes, it's a big game. It's uh, a big game. How about that for an answer? It's a Bud Light big game week. It's and a got to go to a game. In Richmond. How about this, Michael? So uh, we talked about this yesterday on the podcast. Since joining the A-10, VCU is 14-8 and eight in 22 appearances against Dayton. But could you guess their record in a conference tournament play, Rams, against Flyers? I know they've got one. Um, 4-0. Oh, VCU's there we never go. lost to Dayton in the A-10. Oh, I was going back. I, I remember the one. I remember the other one. You're telling me all, all four of them. Yeah. Ooh, that's a juicy stat. Yeah, absolutely. And so, look, we broke it down on the podcast. It, it's all coming down to you have to stop Deron Holmes. You have to limit him and Kobe Brea, who right now is the best three-point shooter in the A-10. Look, We've talked about offense all season, really all offseason. Ryan Odom's offense so efficient. They keep the ball hot. But this is going to take defense to beat the Flyers. Oh, no question. I mean, Dayton's loaded. This is this is not just a good Dayton team. This is a great Dayton team. Uh, it, just the, the shooting's good. Uh, the, the rebounding's good. The assists, uh, you look at their numbers, assist to turnovers, that's good. Uh, obviously, I don't have to tell you it's a well-coached unit. Yep. The, the defense has been stout this year. Uh, I mean, Look at the loss against Richmond. That's the only one, and I would argue they played a really good game there. That, that wasn't like, oh, Dayton, overrated? Like, they were properly rated. I mean, they gave the Spiders all they could handle on their home court against a really good team. Uh, everything I've seen of these guys says uh, I'm putting them to at least the second line and maybe the third when I fill out my bracket. When we played against Richmond, I felt like, hey, if this is a defensive battle, a rock fight, the Rams can win because, like Max Shulga said after the game, it's inevitable the three-point shots will fall. We've got a better offense than Richmond. Against Dayton, it's a little different, right, because Deron Holmes can put up 30 can put up 25 points. Brea can light it up. So it's a it's a little different here for the Rams. Um, I, I kind of think this is one of those games that will be a higher scoring game than that Spiders game. We're going to need Max Shulga to put on a show. Ryan Odom went on the Field of 68 podcast earlier today and talked about the impact Max Shulga has made for the Rams. Let's take a listen to your head coach. Yeah, no question. He's he is the whole package. I mean, he's a, he's a dynamic player. He can really score. He can defend. He's way more athletic than you know people really know. And um, and he's a great teammate. And he just loves ball. You know, he loves it. I mean, he's an old school guy in that regard. My favorite thing about Shulga, Zach Joachim wrote a great article about this, is his dad was a referee in Ukraine. So he kind of understands how to draw the fouls. And we've seen that. He draws like four or five fouls a game, and then he makes free throws at a 90% rate. I did not know that tidbit, and that makes total sense. That that completely adds up. I love that. Uh, anytime you're that good at the free throws, that says your attention to detail, your work ethic, you cannot shortcut your way to being good at free throws, right? Like there Some people like are just naturally gifted at, rebounding or dunks or, or, you know, length or whatever it is, there is no 
person who's just born with the ability to shoot 90% free throws. That That's a hard work situation. This is Inside the Ram Horns, presented by the Red Door guys. Awad here with Michael Phillips, broadcasting live from Radio Row. Bud Light, big game week, big game Friday. Uh, VCU hosting the Dayton Flyers. You know, what's interesting is, they were able to beat Richmond without Sean Barristow. Then he returns, and they beat Fordham. You know, we've seen this team probably at their best with Barristow in the lineup, but they've certainly played a ton of games without him too. Man, I'm just going to say I'm a little worried. Um, it seems like Shulga's battling a little shoulder something. Absolutely. I, I don't think Barristow's going to be right the rest of the season. Um, mm. Like, not he's going to play. He wants this. It, it's a big season for him. You just get the sense, though, the accumulation is really – wearing him down. So it started he, he, with a foot, broken yeah. foot, and then it was the rib contusion. Yeah. My hope is that by March, right, let's just say March 8th, that's a month from now, he is fully healthy and can go into the conference tournament at 100%. I'll say this. I, I've said I have maligned it. I have slandered it. <laughs> I have uh, said negative things about it. Uh, I might be all right with the bye day this year at the A-10 tournament if if that means these guys not play in three in three days. I No matter how healthy they are, these guys may not be ready for three rock fights in three days. That, that bye day may actually be kind of a good thing, maybe. It's going to be a really interesting coaching matchup. Of course, Anthony Grant stops at VCU before moving on to a bigger program. Uh, 94 feet both ways. That was what you did with Anthony Grant. Full court press. He's known for his defense. What I've been so impressed about it with his defense with Dayton, it's less the full court press and more half court. They push you back to half court. They make it so difficult for you to run your sets offensively. And the Rams, coached by first-year head coach at VCU, Ryan Odom. Here's Ryan Odom back on the Field of 68 podcast talking about the responsibility of being the coach for your Rams. It's not you know, an opportunity for me this is a responsibility, you know, because so many people care about this place. And so uh, the facilities are top notch. They're as good as any in the country. Uh, every day that I walk in here, I'm like, you know, this is crazy. That's, I mean, it, yeah, it really he's is. Right. He's right. I mean, I, I, I love the BDC. I mean, I'm blown away by it anytime I go over there. Uh, so big game tomorrow. Uh, Michael, you, you want to throw out your keys to victory? You know I love doing that bit. I know you love the keys to victory bit. Uh, you jangling them and everything. There you go. <laughs> That's good radio right there. Um, Dayton, z- zero, quad two, quad three, or quad four losses. All their losses are quad one. That's why they're so good in the net ratings right now. That's the new RPI. They're number 16 in the country. That means uh, the committee loves the net. That means they're a four seed, by the way, right now in March. And I think this is that good of a basketball team. This would be, I think, is VCU still on the wrong side of 70? Last I checked, they were. Uh, So this would be their first quad two loss. That's how good this team's been. They only lose at the very top in the quad one. Uh, This is going to take... The defense locking down, as they did against Richmond. It is also going to take, though, somebody getting hot. Somebody scoring 20, 25 points. This is not a game you can win by squeaking by. This is a game where they will have to produce offensively as well as locking down on the other end. And those performances have have been the exception and not the norm so far this year. I think the first key to victory is you need not a good game, a great game from Christian Furman. There you go. This is going to be the toughest matchup for him all season long. Furman and Lawal combined for one point in the loss to St. Bonaventure. They both have responded to Coach Odom calling them out for their toughness and their discipline in the last two games. They have been much better. So key to victory number one, I think you need a great game 
from Christian Furman. Number two, I'm with you. Either Joe Bamisil, Max Scholgo, Sean Bearsdow, Seb Jackson. You need you need a 20-point scorer against the Dayton Flyers because they've got guys that can light it up like that. And, and then number three, I think it's going to be all about VCU limiting the turnovers. My goodness. Sometimes we've had a game where we turn it over 15 times. Other times we have games where we only turn it over nine times. I'm going to put the number at 11. I think under 11 turnovers is the key for VCU. I like that, and, and you note that Dayton's going to get theirs. I think the Spiders may be the best organized defense in the A-10 I right agree. now. They, these guys got 64 on them. Like, that's not a small number, uh, you know, and, and that's the best defense in the league working hard in a win in a big home court environment. I just don't think it's reasonable to expect that, that they're going to score less than 65 tomorrow. If they do, hats off to Ryan Odom. I will sing his praises on the Monday show. I just think that's an unreasonable ask. The offense has to contribute its bit. Richmond is, I think, the best defense in the A-10, and they've showed it throughout the season. And against VCU, the Rams had 11 turnovers. Under 11 turnovers, a good game from Christian Furman, and somebody to put up 20 points, get hot from the three-point line. And I think you could be looking at a huge victory for your VCU Rams. And a win, I'm going to tell you this, would make it really interesting, a possible regular season conference title. It's not over. Uh, Not out of the question. It's a tough schedule coming in. I, I'd much rather talk about the double bye and the importance of that. you got to be top four do you, to have a chance in Brooklyn. Do you think the Richmond Spiders finish the entire A-10 regular season and only lose to VCU? Like I, I think they're going to drop a, a game or two. Have you seen their schedule? Yeah, it's, it, it's it is, favorable. It is actually possible. But uh, this is the year in the A-10 where wackiness is happening. Wackiness continues to happen. Uh, Terry McLaurin just walked by us wearing a uh, varsity jacket that says Bounty on it. Ooh. Um, it's the quilted quicker picker-upper, Adam. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a wacky year in the A-10. That said, UR's got, got a running downhill coming in. VCU's running uphill. I, I think if we're talking reasonable expectations, double buy. I, I think that the, the – my chips are in double buy. That's so important if you're going to have a chance in Brooklyn. Richmond at home against LaSalle this weekend, then UMass at home. At GW, earlier this season, I would have said maybe GW steals that. They've lost a few games in a row. Um, at Rhode Island's not that tough. At St. Louis, they've kind of given up on the season. And then VCU and at George Mason. You're right. I mean, Richmond's schedule is so favorable. They, they might end up winning this conference in the regular season. Yeah, and that's going to depend on how Dayton does Friday, right? If Dayton wins, I think they probably go back into the driver's seat um, you, just because of how good they are. Uh, but, yeah, Rich, I think the best thing for the league as a whole, I'm, I'm taking off the Ram horns for a second, best thing is a league. Dayton is in. If Richmond could win the regular season, I think they've got a very compelling case to be in and then let the chips fall where they may in the tourney. But you're already a two-bid league. That's important for this league this year to put at least two teams in in a season where the parity does kind of dictate that. Big game tomorrow night. I'll still be here in Vegas, so for the extended pregame show, you'll hear the czar, Gary, Gary Hess. Hess. Gary Hess will be on the pregame and halftime here on 910 The Fan before he passes it off to Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we were just talking about the big game tomorrow, VCU hosting the Dayton Flyers. Programming note, your point guard, captain, and leader, Zeb Jackson, will join the show tomorrow at 1.30. All right, 1.30 tomorrow on AWOD Radio, your point guard for the VCU Rams ahead of the matchup against the Dayton Flyers. Zeb Jackson, 
Join the Zeb train all aboard. Zeb joins me tomorrow at 1.30 as we're broadcasting live from Radio Row here. Bud Light big game week. Chiefs against the 49ers. And I'll tell you, I really feel like this is going to be one of the most entertaining Super Bowls in a while. We have a rematch. That's a big element to it, right? The Kyle Shanahan thing we started the show with, the fact that he's been to the Super Bowl twice and blown second-half leads, including one against the Kansas City Chiefs when the Chiefs came back with Mahomes and Kelsey and won 31-20. Also, of course, the 28-3 lead that he blew against the Atlanta Falcons. So the fact that this is a rematch is, I think, the number one thing to look at here and why this is an intriguing Super Bowl. Number two... The fact that the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, certainly the greatest of this generation, Patrick Mahomes, is coming into a Super Bowl trying to go back-to-back. First time an NFL team would have done that in 19 years, and he's an underdog. right? Like That's very interesting to me. It tells me here we are in Vegas. They view the 49ers possibly as the better roster from top to bottom. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hot seat, he's joined the program before from Kansas City, it is Soren Petro. What's going on, Soren? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so jealous of the fact that when you come to Radio Row, you're talking about your team playing in the big game. Yeah, it, uh, it was a long time coming. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Harlan's call when the Chiefs finally won in 2019 was, uh, it's been 50 years, a lifetime. That's what he said, and it had been. Because I, I was 49 or 50, and I had never seen them win. Mm-hmm. Like they, they won in January of 70, and I was born in 71. Mm. So I've been a fan my whole life, and they never won. Now now we, we were dumb. We actually didn't think we were going to make it this year. So we, had, we we booked to come in on Tuesday and leave on Friday, <laughs> and then we had to rebook everything because then all of a sudden the Chiefs made it. They caught fire. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a whole new world the last five years. So we're here in Vegas, the first Super Bowl in Vegas. And speaking of Vegas. I used to live in Vegas. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I might want to talk about that later. But the Vegas odds are in the favor of the 49ers. Are you shocked by that at all? I, it's, it's interesting because – most people I talk to say they're picking the Chiefs because of Mahomes. Right. Yet the mathematicians, largely the odds makers use the mathematicians, are picking the 49ers. So where's the disconnect? And so I, I think, you know, there is an element of the human nature of things. Like Patrick Mahomes, just whatever it takes to win, he finds a way to do it. Where if you look at, you know, Bosa on Donovan Smith, Edge Niners. Like you, you go through kind of a mathematical approach to it. I think the Niners are better for 52 guys. The Chiefs are better than people realize. They're definitely better on defense than people realize. Yeah. But is Patrick Mahomes that much of a difference maker? So, look, the Chiefs were a five and a half point or five point dog to the Ravens when that kicked off. You saw how that went. So I, I think it's fair. You know, once you get under three. I play the money line on a dog at two and a half. Yeah. I definitely at one and a half and two. Points don't really matter that much. So it's a fairly close game. They were an underdog to the Eagles last year. So I don't think it's worrying anybody within the Chiefs. NFL opening ceremonies here this week. I had a good conversation with Steve Spagnola, defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. He basically was laughing like, it's hard for him to sleep this week. He's lucky he had two weeks to prepare for the 49ers because they just have so much star power. Everybody knows the Brock Purdy story, but Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, arguably like top three in each position. Yeah, they are. And I think, you know, that's where I say the Chiefs defense may be a little unknown as well like how well they are equipped you're gonna i think you'll see when this free agent cycle comes up the chiefs go into free agency with chris jones uh derek Nottie, michael dana three of their four starting defensive linemen willie gay 
and Drew Tranquil, two of their three starting linebackers, yeah. Legereus Sneed uh, and Mike Edwards, who is now starting at safety, but one of their corners in the starting safety. And when you see what these guys get paid elsewhere, people are going to go, oh, wait a minute, that team, wait, they had all these guys? Because Legereus Sneed is the guy they travel with the number one wide receiver. He held in Germany Tyreek Hill to eight catches for 62 yards, held him to like five catches for 52 yards in the playoff game. He traveled with Devontae Adams, held him to like three catches for 16 yards. And the all-pro corner on the team is Trent McDuffie, the other guy. right? So they have the best corner tandem in football. That never gets talked about. McDuffie has become a star in his second year, but he he doesn't lead the league in interceptions because he just covers well, right? In fact, I think he had zero interceptions this year, but was first-team all-pro. And then LeJarius Sneed is that typical long, lanky corner and he's the guy that Spagnuolo says he's not beating us today. So they have two corners that can handle the wideouts of the Niners. Their, their linebackers, I mentioned Drew Tranquil was a steal in free agency away yeah. from the Chargers. Has played middle linebacker when Nick Bolton went down, plays on the outside in the base 4-3, but has also filled in for Willie Gay when they're two linebacker sets. So they've got three really good linebackers, a thumper in the middle and Nick Bolton, but Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil can really run and really cover. And then on the D-line, you know, Chris Jones is outstanding. They do, they will miss Charles Amenehu, but George Karloftis had ten and a half sacks in his second year. Michael Dana had seven sacks in like the first uh, eight or nine games that tailed off a little bit, but if you focus your attention elsewhere, he can't beat you. So I think this Chiefs defense is a lot more equipped to match up with the Niners than people realize. Joined by Soren Petro, host of the program, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Have you been following this story, Biennemi going to the locker room before the AFC title game? What do you make of that, man? You know, I think if you're uh, in the Andy Reid family of coaches, you're always welcome back. Mm. And there are probably a lot of people that love to see Eric Biennemi back, especially with the offense kind of struggling. Now, the, the offense didn't struggle just because Biennemi was gone and and Matt Nagy took back over a job he had had before Eric Bieniemy with COC. There were things in the personnel that were an issue. Defenses are better now. They know how to cover. They know how to stop uh, what the Chiefs do a lot better. So I think that, that part of the Matt Nagy blame gets overblown. But, you know, they really need Rasheed Rice to come along in the second half. That, that he did, that helped out. So offensively they've been better. But I think, you know, Eric Bieniemy is a guy that everybody appreciated his toughness. Everybody appreciated, you know, the, the work that he did, he's a fine offensive coordinator. He's an incredible running backs coach. I'd say he's great offensive coordinator, but he's only got a few years with that under his belt. But, you know, he, he is a guy that the, the team really, really, I think, appreciates and respects what all he does. We always talk about the Kansas City offense, high-powered, Travis Kelsey, Pacheco, of course, Patrick Mahomes, playmaker all over the field. The thing is, though, is that it only took 17 points to beat the Baltimore Ravens. How many points do you think it's going to take to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, they'll want one more than whatever the other team gets, right? <laughs> That's a simple one. But, you know, I, I've i heard some people say first one to 20 wins. Oh, wow. Um, I'm kind of of that mindset that it's going to be more defense than people realize because the 49ers defense is being banged up, but it was, a t- you know, being beaten up for, you know, being gashed in the run the last couple of weeks. But for the regular season, they were a top-five run defense, right? Two games doesn't erase everything else that they did. And so I think the 49ers defense is better than it's being given credit for. I know the Chiefs defense is better, and I think they will do a, a, a better job of slowing the offenses. And once, you know, they always say styles make, fight, make, make fights, but I also think situations create opportunity. If it's slow early, then it becomes a rock fight. If somebody goes right down the field, then the other team responds and brings out all the good plays and goes right down the field. I think this will settle in and be more of a chess match, be more of a – 
a rock fight, and the defense is well the day. I, I think if you can get to 24, you're a winner. And, of course, it is a Super Bowl rematch. Let's go back four years. What do you remember was the biggest factor in the win for the Chiefs? Uh, well, they had like a fourth quarter comeback. There, they right? did. They were down. They were down ten. They were down four, uh, ten points. Uh, they were down ten points with right about seven to go, and that's when uh, Travis Kelsey caught the touchdown, scored, and in that second half, uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a couple of interceptions. And then in the fourth quarter, he throws an INT, and they're down ten. He's got two interceptions, and you're like, wow, the moment's too big for him. We finally found the spot where they can't do it, and lo and behold, they come back, put a drive together culminates in a Travis Kelsey touchdown, and Kelsey just basically ran through the end zone and off to the field and onto the sideline and just was, you know, encouraging the team, like, let's go, let's go. And, you know, back then the, the offense was still ahead of the curve. They still had more Andy replays they hadn't gotten to. Jet Chip Wasp, one of them. That's the big Tyree Kill third and 15 catch where they, you know, went in and out. Mahomes comes over on NFL Films. It's legendary in Kansas City. Do we have time to run Wasp? Do we have time to run Wasp? That's what he wanted. He wanted that play. And and Bienemy's even seen. Do we have time for Wasp? He's talking to somebody upstairs. Like <laughs> I don't know. Do we? What do we think? Because the Niners, you know, we're we're having a pretty good go against the Chiefs tackles, and you can see on the play, Mahomes lets go of the ball before Tyree Kill even comes out of the break because mm-hmm. they're coming. Yeah. And just that play is legendary. It's it's you know they sell socks with the diagram <laughs> of Jet Chip Wasp on it. So it was Mahomes and it was the offense and it was just. Mahomes' competitive nature to never quit, never give up, no matter how bad the day's going. And uh, and I think, you know, it, it sounds boring to be like, well, it was Patrick Mahomes. It was Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Soren, love having you on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Love coming on your show. This was great to do it in person. Yeah, it was great to see it and put a face with the name and love all the work you do for us. Everybody always loves when you're on. Man, thanks so much. I you appreciate bet. it. You're the best. Thank yep. you. That's Soren Petra. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, this is the Bud Light Big Game Week 5 live shows from Vegas ahead of the Chiefs against the 49ers. And, of course, we are just 13 minutes away from the NBA trade deadline. We've been following that throughout the show. Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharnia of The Athletic with all the reports. And the NBA trade deadline is the lead story here on the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, Are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64 This one, this one. Sports App. So on the fast break with AWOD, we mentioned the Wizards trade, Daniel Gafford, and the Hornets trades as well. If you missed that, you can rewind on the Odyssey app. This just in, the 76ers trading Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. Sources tell ESPN the Bucks are getting a 2027 second-round pick um, to the Sixers in that deal. So we just mentioned it during the fast break. Bucks need to improve defensively. Yeah, guard Patrick Beverly will help with that. One of the best lockdown uh, point guards in the NBA. The Spurs are trading Doug McDermott to the Pacers. The Atlanta Hawks are planning to keep DeJounte Murray. No trade for him. And what's interesting about this trade deadline, which is going to close in the next 12 minutes, so if there's any more breaking news, we will get to it here on the final segment. But if the Hawks are keeping DeJounte Murray, keeping uh, Trey Young, that means how are the Lakers going to improve? Who's going to join the Lakers and give LeBron a chance at a title this season? I almost guaranteed the Lakers would make a move. We have not seen one yet. Last night in the NBA, the Miami Heat and the Spurs went back and forth, and it was Jimmy 
buckets. Jimmy Butler with a triple-double. Here's the assist to get that trip dub for Jimmy Butler. Here's the call on WQAM. Jimmy with the rebound. That's 11 to go with 15 points, 9 assists. Caleb make this shot. Triple-double for Jimmy Butler on the splashdown by Caleb Martin on the right side. Pistons, the worst team in the NBA's Eastern Conference, but got a big game last night from 21-year-old first-round pick, number five overall from last season, Jaden Ivey. Ivey with a career-high 37 points as the Pistons defeat the Kings 133-120. Here's the call on WXYT. Flips it to Jaden Ivey, steps it back for a three ball and hits it. And is locked in, 121 to 113 Detroit. Jaden Ivey with his fifth three ball, 37 on the night. Just an incredible game from Ivey as he has really come on strong as of late. 28 against the Clippers February 2nd, 18 against the Magic, then 37 last night. Let's go over to the NHL on the Sports app. And every day on the Sports app, we track Alex Ovenchkin's hunt for history. So this past weekend was the NHL All-Star festivities. The Caps were back on the ice against the Canadians on Tuesday. And it was an unsuccessful performance from the team as a whole, losing 5-2. But Ovi, 22 minutes, 49 seconds time on the ice. Six shots and one goal. Let's take a listen to the call on WJFK. Ovechkin whirls this one over top of the head of Montembo. Faravari towards the cage. Deflection, try, stop, rebound. Score! Alex Ovechkin. So first goal for Ovi in February in the first game following the All-Star festivities. Now has 832 career goals chasing Wayne Gretzky's 894. Needs 62 to tie, 63 to complete the hunt for history, trying to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. Let's move over to the NFL on the sports app. So, of course, we're broadcasting live from Radio Row. We just had Soren Petro on to give the Chiefs perspective of the big game going on this Sunday. Uh, Tom Brady says he was surprised Bill Belichick wasn't hired for a head coaching job. I really thought Belichick was going to. Uh, I really thought Belichick was going to get that Atlanta job. It was announced yesterday. He's actually going to join uh, one of the NFL networks, ESPN, CBS, and so is Nick Saban. Uh, but, of course, the big news here on Radio Row was multiple NFL people talking about the Washington Commanders. We've got a few clips to roll through here. First, let's take a listen to Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback, on the head coaching hire, Dan Quinn. I'm a big fan of Adam Peters. I mean, obviously. I mean, hey, hey. Learned a little football in New England, goes to San Francisco, of course, a part of some great regimes there. So not only did he have some of those things in place, but he got to see Kyle and John Lynch do it. And, of course, a team that's kind of been at the pinnacle of football here, or at least very close to it for four to the last five years. So let's go down a level. Yeah. Adam Peters hires Dan Quinn right. in a very wonky back-and-forth coaching service. Yes, right. It was wonky. There's no question about that. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I to tell you that I'm like super excited about the Dan Quinn hire. Hey, the first thing is I'm not a big fan of hiring people within the division, right? Oh, we're going to hire a guy that like 
just worked with one of our arch rivals and they know all the things and practice against them for three years straight and now we're going to play them twice a year right that to me is like advantage cowboys in that department let alone you know again dan has done a really good job on the defensive side of the ball with that the dallas cowboys but you know all in all, I'm a little shocked, I think, that he's gotten a second chance this quickly, I will say. I mean, barely above 500 with the Falcons. I thought the best thing they did about that football team was having Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. It kind of fell apart after that, right? You know, he's a defensive coach. They had a 28-3 lead, you know. Shanahan gets blamed for some reason, and Dan Quinn supposed to one that coaches the defense supposed to stop that. You know, from the things I know and, and people out there, you know, it feels certainly that Ben Johnson was choice one. It feels like Mike McDonald was choice number two, and then it got to Dan Quinn, right? But I listen. I you know this isn't personal. It's a tough thing about my job. I'm trying to be honest and give you that. Yeah, it doesn't mean it won't work. It doesn't mean maybe I'm wrong about what I'm saying. Right, Dan Quinn. He now he he showed me he evolved a little bit defensively from Atlanta to Dallas. Now maybe he'll show me he devolved he evolved in being a head coach. That was Chris Sims on our sister station 106.7 The Fan in D.C. with J.P. Uh, Finley and B. Mitch. I, I certainly like Chris Sims, uh, and when he talks, I listen. But he didn't really talk much about Dan Quinn learning from his mistakes and the fact that this Cowboys defense was one of the top defenses in the league, especially in causing turnovers. Michael Phillips had Joe Theismann on the show earlier this week talking about Caleb Williams. You know, I'm all in on Caleb. What does Theismann think about the Heisman Trophy winner? Let's say just say Caleb Williams is drafted by Washington. He will be familiar with the offense. There won't be that, that obvious rookie transition from college to pro game. And the biggest part of that is terminology, gotcha. knowing what to call, knowing where to go with the ball, knowing how to read things. You know, that, that's, a, that's a step that will be advanced for him. And that's, that's what I'm looking at. It, the, that's why the hires to me are interesting. It's familiarity in both offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, but he, you know, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a bit raw, great athlete. I watched him make plays against Notre Dame a few years back, and it was all his legs that, that got it done, scrambling around making plays. Um, played in a big-time environment at USC. Tweet us your thoughts at 910thefan, at AWOD Radio. Do you believe Washington will trade up to get Caleb Williams? We'll be back tomorrow from Radio Row, the Bud Light Big Game Week. It's Grant and Danny coming up next.